Welcome to Transparency Talks, the member-oriented podcast focused on issues of truth, transparency, and trust. I'm Jeff Kelly Lowenstein, founder and executive director of the Center for Collaborative Investigative Journalism, or CCIJ. Thank you for joining us today. We're very excited to have Vanessa Afiong, a highly accomplished journalist and CCIJ member here with us today. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. We're, we're very glad you're here and, and really appreciate you're making the time. And one of the purposes in our, in our podcast is to really have the, the journalists, the fantastic journalists who are part of our community, talk not just about how they uh, do a particular story, but really who they are and what they bring to their work. So could you just tell us a little bit about how you decided to get into journalism, what your background is, and then what kind of stories you really like to tell. Okay, so um, journalism was not anything at all on my horizon. I didn't even think about it at all. But um, in Nigeria, when you finish university, you do a one-year National Youth Service Corps, and um, that threw me into journalism. I didn't have a place to do my youth corps, and I ended up doing it in Daily Trust newspaper in Abuja. And that was what ushered me into journalism. I have always um, thought, I have always been of the, of the opinion that every opportunity you get to work, do it with the best of your ability. And so when I got the chance to be in a newsroom, it was something completely different for me. But I grew into it and fell in love with it. And I decided that I would stick with it. And this is... Um, 11 years now going, and um, I do not think that I made a mistake. I'm very happy with the choice that I made in that regard. And you asked me about the kind of stories that I like to do. Primarily, I like to do social um, stories that border on social issues, development issues, and uh, more recently, I got into investigative work. But even in investigative journalism, I find myself tilting towards investigative pieces that still have to do with um, development issues and with social issues and with primary interest with issues that have to do with gender and children. Uh, but um, I have also done work on um, investigative stories as well, as I said, um, um, on water, on environment, on women in business, on um, politics as well. I've done some political stories that have taken me um, to other parts of Africa where I have reported. My first degree is in French, and that has given me an edge with reporting around Francophone Africa. For instance, last year, I had to go to Benin Republic where I reported on the um, political crisis there. So I find myself doing these other um, stories, you know, every now and again. I also do a lot of um, art and culture and tourism reporting as well, apart from investigative and development journalism that I do normally. I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the many things I admire about you is when you've talked to our students about the experience of being a woman 
in the newsroom and wanting to do these these investigative, these development, these social issue oriented types of stories, and you were housed more in the arts and culture entertainment space. How have you navigated that? What have been some challenges you've experienced and what are some moments that stand out as influential in that process? So my, my career started with reporting arts and entertainment. And um, I was interviewing different visual artists and performance artists and covering exhibitions, you know, and all of that. And then gradually, I was reporting some art subjects that were focused on development issues and environment issues and women. And so I decided to take these subjects beyond just reporting an exhibition that maybe, say, focused on, um, um, what would you say now, child labor. So I would cover that kind of an event, for example, and then look for communities or for people I could interview who physically um, had these stories as their daily lives. And that was how gradually I began reporting development issues. And from then on, investigative um, um, stories to environments and to politics. So basically, that's how I built you know, my, my career to where it is. And I think um, about four or five years ago, I decided what um, identity I wanted to create for myself. So the core is reporting um, development and then bringing in investigative stories, investigative elements to those kind of stories. I have um, an editor here in Abuja who's, who's renowned for investigative journalism, Theophilus Abba. So he took me under his wings, you know, to, to gradually introduce me into the investigative sector and part of journalism. So that's how I have um, made that progression from reporting core visual arts to migrating to development and then to investigative and, and journalism. Um, on the challenges of being a woman or my experience as being a woman journalist, it's, it's very important, I would say, as a female journalist in every newsroom, to know what your worth is and to be able to, to know what truth is and where you stand. It's important to have a stand, you know, so that you're not um, swayed by the different pressures that exist in the newsroom from being exploited, from being um, stereotyped to reporting only fashion and those kind of things. How, I mean, that is not to say reporting fashion is a bad thing. If you decide you do not mind it, then you need to make it count and you need to give it your best. You need to go beyond the mundane. So another thing um, I have had to deal with is getting female sources to speak with me for stories I'm working on. So even most um, recently, I was writing a story on COVID-19 and um, what it's doing with uh, um, how people with disabilities are being ostracized, so to say, in all that is coming in terms of funding, campaign and awareness. And I had this um, woman who is deaf pregnant who had an experience that was I thought was a very strong part of my story she agreed to speak with me and all of a sudden she 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 sent me a message to say no I have had another instance where I spoke to even I mean a former journalist who's married to a senator 
We have planned the pages. We're ready to go to press. And all of a sudden, she calls me to say, oh, please, I can't run that interview. My husband doesn't want me to, 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 to be on paper. So those kind of issues, you know, are things that I'm still struggling with. Can you talk about one or two of these fellowships that you've gotten, Vanessa, and what you've done with them, please? So um, I was selected for the um, Early Childhood Development Reporting Project organized by the International Center for Journalists in, um, in, in, in Washington, ICFG. And the focus was to do stories that, um, have, that concerned children from ages zero to eight and the challenges that they are exposed to, you know, not, not only challenges, but what is life like as a child, you know, between that age bracket in relation with your nutrition, with your health, with your parenting, with the style of parenting you receive, with the education that you receive, with the stereotyping associated with you as a girl of that age or as a little boy of that age. Um, so that exposed me to interacting with journalists from southern america from far from the far east from asia and you know the whole the whole works it also and other parts of africa so that fellowship also enriched the solutions journalism angle of my stories because um with the network of journalists in that um in that fellowship i am able to take a subject on um say breastfeeding and how different countries are making it an interesting culture for women and um, disabusing people's minds of women breastfeeding in public. So I can take a look at it in Nigeria, but I have a journalist colleague in Bangladesh. I have another one in Switzerland and we can talk about the different, I can, I can relate with them, you know, I'm getting information about what applies in their, in their countries. How is government, you know, helping women to be able to breastfeed and be professional women at the same time? So that's the kind of benefits that that um, journalism, that fellowship exposed me to. No, I'm glad. That's an important point because uh, you're both very good, Vanessa, about sharing opportunities to to pass on to the other people in our community at CCIJ. And you're also very good about saying, make sure that you don't tell them it came from me. <laughs> can, you, can you talk a little bit about, given what you were just saying, what, what you feel that CCIJ uh, has to contribute in terms of those international connections and relationships and, and uh, partnerships and that kind of thing? There's... Um, um professional information about other people so i know okay if i need such and such i can go to such and such a person so i i need to do a story that has to do with graphics or podcasts i know i can speak to jeff he'll put me in touch with somebody i know i need funding for a story i can throw it out in sis on the ccig platform and somebody will point me out to somebody who may be able to help it doesn't all have to happen but the fact that i know that I have this network I can fall back on. It's so, so reassuring. Given what you just shared, can you talk a little bit about your transition that you've made professionally in the past few months, uh, deciding to really strike out on your own um, as, as, uh, as working more on the freelance basis, which is a gutsy move. And then the pandemic uh, struck. 
So can you talk a little bit about what that experience has been like for you, what led you to do it, how it's gone, what it's been like during the pandemic? Well, you seem like you're very energized and positive about that choice. Yeah. You said when I spoke earlier, I said it's important for you to know what your worth is. So I and I said about five years ago or so, I decided what identity I wanted to create for myself. And when I decided, when I made that decision, I started channeling my work and my energy towards creating that identity. Another thing that is important for us to know, or I think was important for me to know, is, is, is to know when your comfort zone becomes uncomfortable and it's time to leave. Be that as it may, I have also learned that it's important when you're making such a decision that you're not guided by your emotions. It may be excitement, it may be anger, but that objectivity is what is guiding you to make these next steps in your life. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I had 12 stories I had written down that I was going to work on, one each month of the year. But I have been so overwhelmed by people asking me, commissioning me, do this story for us, do that story for us. I have barely been able to write any of these stories. However, I have no regrets because COVID-19 came and has allowed me write those stories I wanted to write, but in a different way, not as I planned them out. One of them is writing on children with special needs. And I'm so pleased with how that story has gone viral. Well, I, I really like that. I, I really enjoyed and admired that story. And I'm very proud yeah. of you for Thank depth you. and the quality and the personal stories and the data and the the national and international standards and the funding so I can understand why that's Thank going you. viral. The other point that I just wanted to mention about that one was that, and I'd love you to talk about this for a minute, Vanessa. Yeah. When you and I were talking about some story ideas, there was one that you were proposing, but I could tell that you didn't feel it in that same way. And yes. can you talk a little bit about how stories feel to you and then what that means as far as whether you decide to do them or not because there was another one i think it was around private schools that you were yes. talking about it but it didn't quite have that same gut level resonance that yeah. even though it's a very factually based story you can feel your commitment to the issue in every line of that yeah. story about the children with disabilities so can you talk about that aspect of that story selection process for you when i was trying to figure out what stories i wanted to work on I immediately knew I wanted to talk about children because I had followed the trajectory of um, campaigns and awareness that were going around from the Nigerian government to the disease, um, Center for Disease Control and even internationally. I did not see that there was deliberate effort focused on children. So I decided I was going to write on children. And then um, at the time, I was spending a lot of time with my cousin who owns a school, a primary, a nursery and primary school. And every day we were talking about the, um, what you call, the, the, the challenges she was going through and the worries parents were expressing and all of that. And I joined in one of the um, webinars that they had as private school owners and the things that they were throwing up, it sounded interesting to me. But I did not feel a. It sounded a very interesting story, but in my spirit, 
I could not connect with it as emotionally and as critically as, as, I, as I would normally, a story that I'm very excited of, about. So what, sometimes when I have that challenge, speaking to somebody about it helps me. I can, I'm discussing the idea with you and it's forming. I'm writing it down. But even when I was talking with you about that story, I wasn't, um, I didn't feel that excitement. So at some point I knew I was struggling too hard. And when I'm struggling too hard to put a story together like that in my head, and I go on with it, I'm very embarrassed and do not want my byline on that story. So I have learned to leave a story alone when it's not coming together in my head and in my mind and go on to something else. I, I respect that decision to trust uh, you, you talked it through, but you kind of said, you know what? Yes, I, even though I've gotten a certain amount in, I'm going to yeah. leave this to the side and and come back and, and look for something that I feel on that on that deeper level. And uh, what has been your thoughts about some of the challenges of reporting during the pandemic? I know, for example, you had a very interesting proposal around the, the uh, challenges of social distancing in the IDP camps. And you had some women mm-hmm. who were in uh, yeah. uh, one of the IDP camps, not so far from where you are, but once, once the lockdown came, you couldn't go. So can you talk a little bit about what it, what it has been like to report on, on such a critical global issue, but in this restricted way? It's been very, very difficult because um, if you know my story and the way I write, I want you as a reader to be able to see through my eyes and be present with me in all the places I'm, I'm, I'm visiting for my stories. I want you to be sitting beside me, looking at my interview subjects and observing their body language, their eye movement and all of that, which I try to describe in my story. So that has posed a bit of a challenge for me because um, I'm not getting that physical interaction which enriches my story in my view. So now I'm having to do phone interviews because data is very, very expensive in Nigeria. So not everybody can afford to do video call. So I'm doing more phone calls and listening for when people hear sigh of relief, when there's laughter in their voices, but they're not necessarily laughing. That kind of thing I would have seen in a change in their facial expression. I'm listening out for worrying their voices. But I'm trying to improvise, you know, for what physical meetings would have given to me. And I'm spending a lot more time on the Internet. It's, it's, um, it's good for me. I'm, I think I've had some successes with it. But I'm a field person, so it's a lot of effort to actually restrain myself and not go out to the field. I can't wait for when for, for things to get back to normal, to get back to the field. It's, it's been a lot of effort, but I think so far I have managed well. However, there are still some stories I'm not able to do because um, I also need to be sure that the information I receive, I'm receiving are, are correct. You know, I don't want to be told something that I cannot fact check. So now it's limiting the, um, how do I put it now? 
it's it's kind of um, limiting the people I'm interviewing for my stories. I need to be double sure that I can trust what you're saying. Well, I'm, I'm glad you raised that, Vanessa. And I know it has been difficult because we've had numerous conversations where yeah. we've talked about how important health is <laughs> yeah. you know, during this time, even as your heart and you, you want your body to be out there. So I understand how, how hard that is and appreciate that uh, your description of how you've, how you've adjusted. So are, are, is there anything that I haven't asked you that, about your work, about what you want to do next, about uh, our community, about the, the women? Is there anything I haven't asked that's important to know? Because I really appreciate all that you've shared so far. So I think that as a community, we should start, we should begin to think about cross-border stories. It doesn't have to be a lot of us working on it, you know, maybe three, five, four people, you know, come together. One of us has an idea, pitch it to the group, and then who is interested, who can afford to do it, especially as funding is seemingly difficult to come by now. If it's a story you can do, with whatever limited resources you have, I mean, let's give it a try and see see how far that goes. I think this is something we could begin to consider in the community. Really, for me, it is the people of CCIJ and the community that we're building together uh, that makes the work so exciting, so meaningful, and so fun. And so I very much appreciate all that you are and all that you bring to our community. And just thank you so much for for taking the time to join us and, and talk about uh, your work, your career, and, uh, and the exciting things you have, you have ahead. No, thank you for the opportunity. I feel very, very honored. Thank you so much. This is Transparency Talks, a member-related podcast about truth, transparency, and trust produced by Volume. You can find out more about CCIJ at our website at ccij.io or by checking out our Twitter handle at the underscore CCIJ, all lowercase. For CCIJ Connect, this is Jeff Kelly Lowenstein signing off. Have a great day and stay true. Volume.